Um, and when I went back there, it was kind of like being in one of those movies, you know, where they put the the scan up on the light board and you're just sitting there going, okay, this, this isn't my life. You know, this, this can't be me. So when he put it up there, he showed me where the little shadow was on my, it was in my cervical spine. Um, and it was sort of a um, hourglass shape shadow. And so it went into the spinal cord. And so right away, I'm like, that's not fixable. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today grew up in the Pacific Northwest, where she currently lives with her husband on Camino Island in Washington State. She's the author of a children's book, inspirational short stories taken from her own experiences, and a blog called Finding the Silver Linings While Living with a Disability. After taking early retirement from a 25-year career in financial analysis, she took up writing horseback riding or equine therapy and painting with watercolors. She and her husband enjoy traveling together when they can. And one of her favorite experiences was swimming with the dolphins in Cabo in which the dolphin actually tried to save her. I'm pleased to present Sue Lamory. Sue, are you ready to share your story of hope? I am. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, this is so fun. And one interesting fact about you is that you used to be painfully shy when you were younger, and you've had to kind of overcome that a little bit. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I yeah, like I said, I, I was painfully invisibly shy, where I would like to, you know, blend into the walls and um, not be noticed. Yes. Uh, you know, if somebody asked me to do a podcast back then, the answer would have been no. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I just, I couldn't even, you know, if I was in a classroom and somebody asked me what my name was in front of everybody, I couldn't even do it then, back then. Um, but then as I ended up in the wheelchair, I just couldn't be invisible anymore. So I, in that respect, I blossomed, you know, not, not willingly and not to um, something I expected, but the Lord just kind of uh, helped me get out of my um, my shyness out of right. my shell, out of my own way. Um, and it, which was a good thing. Cause I always wanted to, to have more influence in the world. And when I was, you know, hiding in the shadows that really wasn't going to happen. So it's interesting because you wouldn't think that being in a wheelchair would be the thing that would bring you out of your shell. You know, I mean, like, like I wouldn't say, okay, you're in a wheelchair. Now you're out of your shell. Like, like that doesn't even compute in my brain. Um, so it's, it's interesting that that was one of the side effects of the wheelchair. Now you haven't been in a wheelchair your whole life. No. We're going to dive into that story. So why don't you take me to the process of what led you here <laughs> to yeah, where you are now? <laughs> wheelchair. And talking to you. Uh, yeah, yes, both. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was 26 years ago. It was when I was, I, I literally was when I was turning 40, because I remember 
one of the doctor's appointments was the day that I turned 40. And um, so that's a, a benchmark of, you know, when, how, how long ago it started. Um, but it was uh, um, just a really year long process of things transpiring in my body, or, you know, with my, with my mobility, I should say, um, that we couldn't figure out at first. And that I went into complete denial about it was so gradual. Um, one of the things with transverse myelitis is that it's usually sudden. It's really sudden. Uh, people that I've known or, you know, read about is they usually end up being standing one minute and then they fall and they can't get up. And then they, wow. Now, why is that, Sue? Why, why is it usually so sudden? Um, I don't really know. And I don't really know why mine is uh, the way it was. It's neurology I'm discovering is, you know, pretty unknown science still. Mm -hmm. Even back then when I was going through it, I was new. I was a new, new to them kind of patient. They, a lot of the um, symptoms I went through, they would just diagnose as MS. Um, right. And interesting, my doctor, I don't know why, I, there was different symptoms that, that made him say it wasn't, and he didn't uh, diagnose me that way. But I know there's an enzyme that usually shows up in, when they do the spinal tap, there's an enzyme that shows up for this uh, transverse myelitis, and I didn't have it in my spinal cord. Really? I yeah, I, I didn't have any of the um, markers for MS or for transverse myelitis. So they, um, so anyways, I, I imagine as far as answering your question, that that enzyme that might have, that creates uh, damage to the spinal cord. And then it, it sometimes permanent, sometimes not. If you catch it early enough, sometimes it's not. Because it's a, it's a inflammation that if you do um, steroids early enough, sometimes it can reverse the damage. Mine, as I was talking about being in denial, I didn't go through any of the tests and stuff soon enough. So by then it was probably scarring. Um, but anyway, so what I noticed originally was like I um, would be sitting on the bus or at work. I mostly remember noticing it on the bus going home from work that my leg would sort of jump and I'm like, okay, that's just kind of random, but you know, not frightening. It was just odd. Mm -hmm. And it kind of would be with a little tickle. So I'd be like, okay, it, I tickled. So that I jumped, you know, and then, then the weirdly one, weird one was that I started noticing I was walking into plants, you know, on the hallways of, of work, or I mm -hmm. kind of suddenly be brushing up against the wall of work. I just, unless I was really focusing on how I was walking or where I was walking, I was, um, I was, I don't know what you call it. I was veering off. <laughs> and it, again, it was something where I was like, okay, you know, I'd show somebody at work, look what I do. This is so weird. <laughs> I'm walking into walls and stuff, but still, you know, maybe a little bit anxiety producing, but still kind of like, okay, this is just sort of comical. Um, but then I started noticing uh, that when I was walking like distances, my girlfriend and I walk around Green Lake, which is, I think it's a 2.3 mile walk. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would go around twice, you know, no stopping and pretty good. She was really athletic. I mean, yeah, really athletic. And I could sort of keep up with her <laughs> before all this. 
but then I then when I started experiencing these side or these symptoms, I um, started having to take rest breaks. You know, just on one, I could only do one lap, and then I started uh, having to. I remember taking like three rest breaks, and my legs would just feel like Gumby legs. They just that's what I called them was Gumby legs because they felt like rubber. They that they couldn't really support me. And my sister and I would go for walks because she liked to to take walks and she'd say, you know, Sue, you're walking weird, you know, or you're limping or whatever. And I'm like, I get really, <laughs> I get really put out because it's like, no, I'm not. And I'm not because I was really not wanting to have something wrong with me. Um, and, I, and then I'd start walking around my neighborhood on my own kind of, okay, you're terribly out of shape, you know. <laughs> you're, you're trying to justify it any other way, right? Exactly, exactly. And I had been taking some medication for, for anxiety because I had been going through some counseling at the time. It was pretty stressful. So I was chalking it up to side effects to the medication. And I even convinced my primary care doctor that that's probably what it was. So we gave it, a, I don't know, six weeks or something to see if things changed after I went off the medication, which obviously they didn't. Mm. Um, but anyway, so I think the biggest time was that I really um, decided, okay, there's something I need to, to deal with was that when I, I had just moved back from the Pacific to the Pacific Northwest, I'd gone down to California for some, I was in my thirties. I was single. I didn't um, have, you know, my friends were married and I thought that kind of stuff. So I thought I want to do something knew I had some friends living down there when I was down there. I was down there for about five years and then kind of decided, you know, I needed to be back with my family, which, you know, in hindsight with this happening, I was really glad that I'd made that decision. But so I joined the Mountaineers though when I came back trying to find, um, you know, people that had similar interests to hang out with. And I really, really wanted to summon Mount Rainier someday and just thought that mountain hiking, climbing would be a really fun experience. And I went to the orientation and they're talking about, well, this is what you have to do for a local hike. You know, this is the endurance you need to have. These are the pieces of equipment you need to have. And I'm just sitting there going, I can't do this. I'm way too out of shape for this. And I was embarrassed. Hmm. You know, they ran at all these, most of them were younger than me in the first place, but <laughs> very physically fit people. And I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I could never do this. And I'm kind of, went out and never came back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when I realized, you know, I need to, 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 you know, look into this further with the doctor and stuff. So. Wow. Absolutely. So it wasn't cut and dry finding no. your diagnosis. Um, no. You had to be referred to a neurologist before and get like some MRIs, right? Right. Right. The um, primary care, he did those little reflexology tests on your knees. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my leg just kind of went swinging out there, you know, and I'm just going, whoa, great reflexes, you know. Uh -huh. And he's kind of thinking, saying, yeah, I think you need to see a neurologist. <laughs> uh. And I was like, okay, you know, and breaking down, you know, it's like when I noticed that every doctor's office has a tissue box provided. Oh. Um, then they do. I never noticed it before. But you found out that you needed them and that's how you noticed yeah. it. He had about five in his office, oh. but that's what I need. Yeah. I went through, I was, I was in tears by then. Cause it was like a neurologist. That's pretty, pretty frightening. And 
even when I was back um, taking the walk around uh, Green Lake, I saw a young man walking around with cerebral palsy. And I, I just had this instinct, you know, that this, this looks similar to what I'm feeling. And so that just terrified me. And oh, of course, absolutely. My girlfriend's like, no, 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 I'm sure that's not it. And I'm no, no, no. And that's why I kept, you know, trying to build up my, my endurance other ways. But anyway, so yeah, he, then the neurologist, he right away started um, defining some of the, or describing some of the um, uh, symptoms I was experiencing. So I thought, oh, oh, good. You know, I'm not going nuts. It's, you know, I'm not making this up. Um, Now you kind of go, Oh, I wish I was. (laughs) Right. But then yes, he did do an MRI. That was his first test. Um, and when I went back there, it was kind of like being in one of those movies, you know, where they put the, the scan up on the light board and you're just sitting there going, okay, this, this isn't my life. You know, this, this can't be me. I was, have been fortunate enough to not experience a lot of, uh, tragic things in my life. Um, death of family even, or, um, you know, I haven't even broken my, a bone in my body before. Oh, that. wow. <laughs> I, I still haven't, which is kind of a miracle in and of itself. Cause I've made yes, it. I, yes, it is. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, yeah. So when he put it up there, he showed me where the little shadow was on my, it was in my cervical spine. Um, and it was sort of a, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, hourglass shape shadow and so it went into the spinal cord and so right away I'm like that's not fixable I mean even mm-hmm. my layman's knowledge is like you can't just cut that off and be done with it which mm-hmm. had hoped you know I mean I was even hoping for a tr- tumor at that point that they could surgically remove and I could go on with my life but um, no that wasn't the case and so he told me you know he, because symptoms were different than he expected and because it was more of a fluid type situation. He didn't know, you know, he didn't know if it was going to get worse. He didn't know if it was going to get better. Um, the only treatments were steroid infusions. Well, I could have taken prednisone, but the steroid infusions were a lot more impact to the spinal cord at one time. So we did that. And ironically, it was on Halloween. The gal came out, she did a, uh, I had an in-home infusion thing. And so she had these holes and needles and everything oh wow that sounds terrifying to me (laughs) well it was but all I could think of is if anybody comes you know knocking on the door for trick-or-treat thing their parents are going to grab them and run you know (laughs) fortunately I was in a um, neighborhood that didn't have kids that knocked on my door (laughs) so that we went through that it didn't do any good created a little, uh, what do they call it? Steroid rage, which was my, my boss was lucky. He survived my steroid treatments. Uh, and so, so he had talked, the doctor had talked about doing another bit of it. And when I told him about, you know, how angry I felt and stuff, he's like, mm, okay, I think, I don't think we'll be doing that again. <laughs> Cause apparently the steroids can cause, you know, a lot of anxiety and, and rage and stuff like they, you know, sports people, that have done steroids have experienced. So, so that was it. And it was, you know, wait and see. And at that time I was not the kind of person that wanted to know more. So I didn't look it up. I didn't do any research. 
I just relied on my doctor who I trusted implicitly. And I was very, very fortunate that um, the Lord that guided me to him because he was a really good doctor. Um, later, I found out that it's similar to cancer, that if you haven't had another episode in 10 years, then you're pretty, your odds are good of not having more episodes. And fortunately, I found out, found that out after 10 years had transpired. So I wasn't, oh. so I wasn't sitting there waiting, you know, for 10 years to go by. <laughs> um, right, right. I don't know. There were times, you know, in, um, in my prayers and in my experiences with the, the diagnosis, um, the Lord kind of assured me that this was it, you know, that it's, it's not MS, it's not going to progress. It's not, uh, you know, things aren't going to necessarily get worse. Um, and I even was talking to a friend and he said, he told his mom about it. And she said the same thing. She, in her sort of promptings prayers, she said, no, I think this is it for her. So I was like, oh, that's nice, nice little confirmation. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I sort of, you know, it's kind of like when you get a blessing, you kind of rely on that and you forget, you get scared and whatnot. And then when you start getting scared, I would go back to that memory and say, okay, the Lord told me and I'm, and I, I know he told me, so I'm going to, I'm going to rely on that. And in the meantime, figure out how to manage what's going on. But don't you think that's such an important um, thing to remember when we're going through any hard time is if you felt peace about it, like right. everything's going to be okay, it just helps remind you that God has got this under control, right. that he, this isn't a surprise to him right? and, and he's going to help you through it. And so it, remembering those, those impressions right. are such a key thing when you're going through something hard or tragic like this. Absolutely. And when you're going through even something less challenging, I, I mean, I kind of go back and say, well, look what he got you through, you know, mm. now if you're here and uh, you're having a bad hair day, it's not that big a deal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. I, I actually had a heart attack about three years ago and he was so, the Lord was just so amazing with that. It, it, it was, I was 98% blocked. So it was a pretty serious wow. thing. Yeah. But I didn't have any heart damage. I just, you know, I felt it really a lot of pain. So we called the medics and we went to the, to the hospital and they got it, uh, did an angioplasty, but I was, my husband was way more fearful than I was. Let's put it that mm. way. I was pretty relaxed. Um, you know, with the whole thing. And afterwards, I went to church the following Sunday, and everybody's like, What are you doing here? <laughs> Why wouldn't I be here? I'm fine. <laughs> wow. So, so it's true that God can bless us with peace. Yes, absolutely. Even in the hardest times. Yes. And it really. <laughs> To, to other people who aren't feeling that peace, they're like, why are you reacting so calm? <laughs> yes, that is true. Oh my goodness. When, when Guy was, uh, when I was telling him, okay, we got we to gotta call some, it was two in the morning with the heart attack and, and he's kind of like running around the house like a chicken with the head cut off and he's got EMT experience, Ethan. And, going, and he's like, should I just call the doctor's office? And I'm like, no, 
you need to call 911. <laughs> <laughs> and they helps, but it's kind of funny because you're right. It is, and it is often I've noticed with having experiences with other friends that have had tragic situations, it's almost easier for the person in the middle of the storm to deal with the problem though than those around because the one in the middle of the storm knows they need to deal with something. The mm. ones around them don't realize it. And so they can hover and they, like my parents would hover over me and they can get a little bit worried. And like my sister, when I wasn't walking right, she was, um, you know, nagging me a lot and, um, you know, concern. It's, it's natural yeah. concern and grateful for their, their caring uh, love for me, but it is harder for them to recognize that, okay, I have a loved one that is dealing with something. So I need to learn how to deal with it too, mm. even though they're all Christians as well. And that's what helped me through was that upbringing in my background. You know, my dad was an amazing Christian Mm. example for me and stuff so that is awesome now one of the things I love that you shared with me before was that you talk about finding blessings in disguise yeah when when you're going through a a thing like getting diagnosed with transverse myelitis um what were some of those blessings in disguise that you were able to find I, you know, I can honestly say they're, they're just really numerous that, um, I think I wrote in there, uh, told you a little bit about the, uh, seeing things a little bit more with the glass half full now than I used to probably do. Yes. Um, but, the uh, they were just all over the place, but the one, the big, the big one is that I, um, I met my husband, um, because I was in a wheelchair, I wouldn't have never met him if I, I was going to this equine therapy that I listed as one of my favorite hobbies now. Um, and that in itself was a huge miracle because I didn't even like animals before that. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> now I'm a horse lover, a dog lover. I have a parrot. You know, I have. <laughs> if, I, if I could have more, my, my, my husband won't let me because he has to take care of horses and me. So. But so I started, I started horseback riding. I wanted to do something a little more um, outdoorsy. I, I wasn't necessarily a huge athletic person, but I, you know, I liked hiking. I liked snow skiing, water skiing, uh, bike riding and stuff. So um, I uh, thought about doing the ski for all, which is a really amazing program. But I didn't end up doing it because I just thought, you got to go way up in the mountains. You got to really make an effort. And so when I was actually looking at vans for driving around with the wheelchair, I, mm -hmm. well, no, actually it was before that I watched the horse whisperer and I thought, I wonder, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I didn't even, I've, I'd ridden horses before. They tried to brush me off on the trees, you know, <laughs> so it was an interesting um, prompting, but what was interesting is then when I looked into it, there was a facility 20 minutes from my house. Oh, well, that's a miracle right there. Exactly. And not only that, but now this particular facility, it's in Seattle. Um, it's was Redmond technically, but it's a, it's a huge facility now. And they often have a, a really long waiting list. But back then it was like 23 years ago. 
they were just getting started. And so when I called, they said, yeah, when can you come in? And, um, you know, I was able to get fitted. Well, the funny part was that I went there after work and she said, well, you ready to get on a horse? And I'm like, uh, really? (laughs) 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 So they, you know, did a, an assessment of my capability of sitting on a horse. And I was, uh, kind of a white knuckle effect the whole entire time. Um, but I fell in love with it and I cont- I still do it. Yesterday was my, I do it closer to home up here in Camino Island now, but um, it's amazing um, physical activity and um, what would you call it? Um, emotional support for, by having lots of friends that are in similar, not, they're, they might be in similar situations or, well, it's usually kids of uh, the kids that are dealing with issues, but, um, or the staff, you know, are just always saying, you know, yeah, you can do this. Whereas when you go to normal physical therapy, they say, well, no, you can't walk again and you can't do this again and whatnot. And I'm sitting there going, well, can I be a real cowgirl? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I literally said that once. That's trying, awesome. Trying to ride it independently, and it's it's a challenge every time I change horses. Uh, the one I'm on, I, I just adore her, but she's got a lot more motion, so I'm still working on getting that independence again. But um, anyway, so in that regard, when I was there, my husband started volunteering there, and I kind of just pass him in the hallways and stuff. And then I saw him once at an auction and kind of went, okay, that man's kind of good looking. (laughs) (laughs) So then we, you know, after that, we eventually um, started dating and, and he was a good kindred spirit, a Christian. And so we uh, hit it off and we're married in six, within six months. So that was a huge blessing in disguise. (laughs) Yeah. You never would have expected, um, something like that to come from it. So I, I'm just curious, what are some of the benefits that you have seen from riding horses? You mentioned the social support that yeah, you get to get out and interact with other people. What are some of the other benefits? Well, it's um, kind of funny for me. It, after I started it, it actually was kind of my whole life. Almost everything that happened in my life I was impacted. I, we should, the name of the, the therapy place is called Little Bit. Almost everything was impacted by things from Little Bit. I mean, mm-hmm. the dog I got was um, somebody at Little Bit was raising dogs. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified of raising a dog. I, you know, especially in my condition. Um, but I kept seeing this little puppy. And, and some of my stories that I've written, my short stories, are about these things. So that's another part of it, you know, is that I, with this, uh, by having a relationship with Guy, I wrote a short story about that. By having a relationship with the horses, I wrote a short story about the horses, the dog, you know, all these kind of things. I've got a little book that I wrote about a, a pony that as a friend of mine and his little true adventures. So that part of it was there. And then the, like you said, the social environment was there. I made all kinds of friends similar to what I was kind of hoping to do with mountaineers, um, you know, where they, they understood where I was coming from. They were supportive. Um, and then physically, um, it's hard when you can only do it once a week, you don't get as much physical benefit, but you mm-hmm. get one. Um, 
the horse's movement is similar to when you're walking. So when you're on it, your hips kind of move the same way that the horse, well, they do move the way the horse moves. And it, it mimics that motion for your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing I found for me personally, and I think it happens with a lot of the little children that go out there, is it I want to do better when I'm riding the horse. So some of the physical exercises that I would rather not do at home, I am more motivated to do. Um, mm. Lately, I've been doing more because I want to get independent again on Sapphire is the name of my horse. Um, so I started using a arm, it's an arm bike um, that you can use to do more of an aerobic exercise, which I was told I should be doing after my heart attack and wasn't very diligent about it. <laughs> but you're motivated to do it now because you I have am. a reason to. I, I am. It strengthens my arms. It helps my core. Because, um, you know, with being a... Um, what they call what I'm called is an incomplete quadriplegic. The because it's my cervical spine, it affects everything from there down. Mm. But my legs, I don't. You know, they're they're gone. I can't walk. I can maybe wiggle some toes on one one foot. But the um, my arms, I have some use of. My hands are pretty limited, um, and that gets frustrating. Um, one time a friend of mine who was a quadriplegic, they, we were saying, you know, I'd just be happy even to be a paraplegic instead of a quadriplegic, <laughs> but whatever, you know, we yeah, have our, our, our mountains to climb, right? <laughs> yes, we do. Oh my goodness. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have Sue tell us a little bit more about the lessons she has learned through having transverse myelitis. Hi, this is Tamara K. Anderson, and I want to share something special with you. When our son Nathan was diagnosed with autism, I felt like the life we had expected for him was ripped away, and with it, my own heart shattered as well. It's very common for families to feel anger, pain, confusion, and anxiety when a child is diagnosed. This is where my book, Normal For Me, comes into play. It shares my story of learning to replace my pain with acceptance, peace, joy, and hope. Normal For Me has helped change many lives, and I'd like to give this book to as many families as possible. We put together something I think is really special. My friends and listeners can order copies of my book at a significantly discounted price, and we will send them to families who have just had a child diagnosed with autism or another special needs diagnosis. We will put your name inside the cover so they will know someone out there loves them and wants to help. I will also sign each copy. You can order as little as one or as many as hundreds to be shared with others. So go to my website, TamaraKAnderson.com, and visit the store section for more information and to place your order. You can bless the lives of many families by sending them hope, love, and peace. Check it out today at TamaraKAnderson.com and help me spread hope to the world. And we're back. I've been talking to Sue Laramie about the things that she has experienced coming down with a condition called transverse myelitis that has impacted her and brought her from being completely normal and standing to being in a wheelchair and being an incomplete quadriplegic. Now, Sue, what are some of the lessons that you have learned 
because of transverse myelitis? Well, it's kind of like what we talked about at the beginning of this uh, sort of blossoming effect that I had through this process. Um, It's gradual, you know, all these lessons were kind of gradual and you kind of look back and say, wow, you know, I used to be there. And like, for instance, with the, um, with the, the being less shy part, I, um, it started when I was still walking. I went for quite a while still walking and, and being again in denial. So I wasn't using a walker or a scooter or cane or anything that would have benefited me. And so when I was walking around in downtown Seattle, trying to get to work, the wind was blowing and all that. Um, I was pretty precarious. But when I would first be walking across the street or doing something and getting stuck, I'd get stared at or I'd get like some guy behind me is like, are you going to go? And, you know, mm. um, people downtown in rush hour, they don't care who you are, or what you're doing. Um, they just want to get to their destination. And sure. at first I was really bitter. And I would, I mean, I remember one time these two little cute little girls were looking at me and kind of staring at me and I just kind of gave them a mean face. You know? mm. I look back on that and think, what the heck was I thinking? That's just awful. Uh-huh. As time transpired, you know, I started learning to be more gracious about things, learning to accept help, learning to, um, you know, smile when somebody stared at me whatever. And what I started recognizing is that um, I didn't see myself handicapped anymore. And Mm. then I, you know, nowadays people don't see me that way when they're, and and I forget when they say something, when a stranger says something about my wheelchair or something, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what they see is a person in a wheelchair. I, like my mom even said to me, you know, when you have a nice big smile on your face, that's what they're noticing, not the fact that you can't walk or whatever. Um, and so that's uh, one of the things I learned was to be more gracious. And that helped me open up more to being, um, you know, more out there and um, visible. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people would ask me questions about my disability because they weren't, they were struggling with something and then sharing with them was becoming a real joy to me to, be able to help them with their experiences and so that again was making me more visible um the other one uh, i think was that i was was that i knew i learned very quickly that the lord never abandons us never ever ever and i was the i was fortunate enough to be raised in a, a a christian family to recognize that so when some, you know, when something like that happened, instead of turning away, like is easy to do for some people to say, well, wow, he's, you know, not there helping me, then he must not be real or whatever. If I was turning to him more and more and more and was um, seeing his hand in everything. Mm. Even the night that I came home from the di- with the diagnosis, I was still a single person. I was living by myself. I was still trying to provide for myself. And my biggest fear wasn't as much about, well, definitely about being completely paralyzed because I didn't know all the resources available to people in that, the, that circumstance. But um, also that I would be so bogged down by anxiety and, and depression and stuff that I wouldn't be able to function at work and, you know, be oh, able sure. to 
eat even, you know? Yeah. So that, so that very night I, um, and, you know, and I had been a person that had dealt with anxiety and depression already in my life. So that was, you know, paramount in my mind. Um, but that night I went to bed and my sister said she prayed for me, but I of course was praying all night long and sobbing and being afraid and, you know, praying some more and that kind of stuff. And I, I remember just lying there kind of in the a curled up position all night. I had something I'd committed to the next day that was going to require taking care of a little child, walking around uh, the zoo, um, which I really wanted to do. But I was like, how am I going to do this? Mm. And I just pictured the Lord holding me all night long. Um, I didn't sleep. I mean, I never fell asleep. I kept hoping I would, but I never did. But I did feel peaceful. You know, I could feel his arms around me in a way, you know, just feel that level of peace that we get when we turn to the Lord, you know, technically on our knees um, in, you know, I can't think of the right words, but trying to really pray with our full heart. Right. Um, and the next day, I had a really fun time with this little girl. We unfortunately didn't take a, a stroller, so I had to carry her quite a bit of the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I was, my, my niece ended up coming with us, too, and so we took turns carrying our little girl around. But, um, but you know, it ended up being fine, and it was a beautiful sunny day, and I ended up you know, from uh, getting through the rest of my life with this hanging over my head and all the tests I had to go through and stuff like that. But, and I also know, I realized that, well, it's kind of the thing with, with my husband, he doesn't answer our prayers so the way we expect. Mm, um, that is so true. <laughs> or the timing we expect. But when I look back, it's really funny because now when people approach me, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of time to get over the whole, you know, uh, five levels of grief and all that. But yes, <laughs> I've got a little blog about that. But um, uh, when they say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, this has happened to you. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> mm. I, I, I don't even know how to respond. It's like, I this has been an amazing blessing, an amazing journey. I have felt joy like what I'm experiencing now before this, you know, it's, between all the things that the Lord has opened up my eyes to and the connections that I've made with people, um, the, uh, the experiences I've had. I, 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 I joke that I used to say, you know, when I I'd encounter something, for instance, a small thing, I was trying to get to a physical therapy appointment. I needed to go to use the restroom and I needed to get out there quickly but I needed, you know, the wheelchair accessible stall. Mm. And when I went in there, there was a young girl in there changing her clothes. Oh. Took forever. <laughs> oh, and no. she, was, she was a girl working there. She was an intern, uh, not an intern. She was just a, a temp person. And she didn't care. She didn't care that there was a person in a wheelchair needing to use the restroom, you know. And oh, no. Little sweet time about it. So when I got to the physical therapist, I was like, so I had another adventure today. <laughs> and so that all these, those little inconveniences or falling on my face. And one time I fell on my face and I had, uh, you know, um, 
injuries on my face, my knees, my hands, bloody mm-hmm. little bits. And I needed to go to work and I worked in a, as a financial analyst and we were having a meeting with a client and oh, I remember no. thinking, I look like my husband beat me or something. Oh, no. <laughs> and that was what I was more worried about is that I look like somebody beat me. Um, but those types of things I started calling adventures. And when I looked at it that way, instead of calling them challenges, but adventures, I also started seeing that, you know, I said, you know, my life used to be really, really boring. You know, mm. I go to work, I go home, I didn't like to be seen. So I didn't do a whole lot of things, maybe read a lot, had a few, you know, activities with friends, whatever. But now my life has always got adventures and it just is more interesting. (laughs) Yes, it is. Oh my goodness. So would you say then that, um, was it God that helped you take turn from being bitter to shifting your perspective to looking at things like adventures and and seeing things in a more positive light? Absolutely. I I think that, first of all, it is part of the grief process. You know, you Mm -hmm. go through the stages of anger and loss and all that. I mean, you need to go through that. And I don't want to invalidate that because those things are a necessary part. Otherwise, you just push them down and they're going to come out in other ways. Um, but yes, the Lord, um, what I started noticing walking around downtown and having the challenges with the, the wind or like there's a lot of bums down there. One time there was a bum kind of harassing me and stuff. And I'm just you know trying to walk away with him from him and I can't walk and my legs would get stiff. I, I, I had the bad tone in my, my muscles. So before I got this other back of them pump, I would be like stilt lady trying to walk around. And um, this woman in that case came up and just said, Hey, can I help you? Can I walk with you? And I'm like, yeah, please do. And Aww. so she me to the bus stop or um, if I had challenges getting to the restroom in time at work, because I was on one side of the building and the restrooms were on the other side of the building and it's a block long mm. building. Um, you know, friends from work would help me get there to the restroom. I had, by then I I had a um, walker with a seat. So he just sort of pulled me along with the walker. Oh, how cute. (laughs) But then, but there were times like that one time when I was in a windstorm and then the buildings just funnel that it went right through there. I was just in the middle of the street. I couldn't walk. Um, My wheel, my, um, umbrella was inside out and I was getting drenched and I I mean the light had turned red and I'm watching these cars thinking will somebody please get out of their car and help me because I don't know what to do and this Mm -hmm. guy came along this man gentleman came along and I don't even know from where it was just next to me took my elbow and sort of ushered me across the street and I looked up to say thank you and he was gone and I swear to this day that he is an angel I swear every time somebody helped me like get across the street they or take me to the bus stop or whatever I eventually learned that I needed to do something different but in those days I you know I was like okay I had another angel in my life today you know and that was one of those things where I started saying okay here's the positive in this day you know there was Mm -hmm. always I mean there were people too that wanted to push me over get around me but Mm -hmm. there was always someone or something positive 
to look at in a situation or a day. So I started really noticing that I was becoming a more half-full kind of person. So we we kind of got off on that fun little tangent, and I'm so glad we did, but you, you were commenting before that God rarely answers our prayers the way we expect. Yes, thank you. How have you found that to be true in your life? What I've noticed is that he, he knows the desires of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I think when we know when we pray for something, we know what we want, and we don't always know what we need. And I Ooh. think a lot of times our wants get in the way of our needs. And this is only because of, you know, retrospect that I can look back and say, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't really realize I needed to wait a little bit longer to do this. Um, I didn't, um, you know, realize that I, you know, I knew that, for instance, with my husband, that I was going to get married. I just knew God had somebody special for me, but I had always hoped to have children. I had always Mm -hmm. hoped to be young enough to have children and raise a lot of children. I even wanted to adopt them and stuff. Um, I wanted to be a teacher and I never ended up becoming a teacher. I became, uh, I went into finance. So after all this happened, uh, I met Guy. It was, I was 50 at the time. So there weren't going to be any children involved. But then um, I started getting callings uh, in the church where they, you know, give you responsibilities that the Lord calls you to do. Um, I was first called to young women's to be a teacher for young women's. And I'm just going, are you sure about this? I'm new to the church, you know. But on the other hand, I also went, holy cow, the Lord really knows that I've always wanted to be a teacher. I've always wanted to be around children. Um, And it didn't happen for me in the way I expected it to. Mm. Um, And I didn't expect to be in a wheelchair when I met my husband. But you know what? Being in a wheelchair, I met a man that was full of care and um, compassion, you know, mm-hmm. and hurts me with every single thing I do. Um, and then on the other hand, I also ended up being, you know, teaching and be, now I'm mostly in primary, which I absolutely adore. I love being in primary, um, teaching little children. And especially during this COVID time, I've been <clears throat> sending out little challenges and stuff for them. And I've actually found, here's another example that with this uh, time of being apart from each other, mm-hmm. we're actually getting closer mm. because I've been staying in touch with each of them individually and as a group and trying to, um, you know, help them recognize that the Lord's in their life, even with all this stuff going on. So, so down to the basics of what I started with is that he, he knew the, those desires of my heart. He knew that I, I wanted to buy a condo and I didn't buy one. And then when I finally did, it turned out I was not able to walk. Thank the Lord. I didn't buy one with stairs, you know, I was mm. buying one with uh, elevator and all that kind of stuff. I, I remember telling my mom, cause she was like, you know, wondering when I'd ever get married and stuff. And I said, uh-huh. you know, mom, I know that just like the condo I got that God's got this perfect man there for me. And um, he did, you know, he's, mm-hmm. but we're always still learning together. We, I mean, it's not like a bed of roses. I hate to no. <laughs> I don't like painting that picture because you look around sometimes at other couples and you think, why can't I be more like that? You know, mm-hmm. we, we work on this together. You know, we, 
he knew I was in a wheelchair when we got married, but he didn't know the responsibilities of taking care of somebody in a wheelchair. Right. Um, and there's times when we do some a lot of laughing. Sometimes <laughs> we get angry with each other, you know, and then there's times when we take a break and say, okay, how can we do this better? And mm-hmm. he's a real fixer kind of guy. So he wants to fix everything. And that's kind of where it's challenging for a man to... Uh, accept some of the the physical challenges because they want to fix it like my dad wants to fix it and you just can't but anyway those are those are the kinds of things that I feel that the Lord really and I love how you phrase that that God knew the desires of your heart Mm -hmm. and 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 so sometimes he may not answer with what you're asking specifically but he's answering with what you need Right. And and it's such it's beautiful to see that that you have been able to to see that. Of course, it's always retrospect, right? right. <laughs> but that's wonderful. Now, let me ask you this: Have you found a favorite Bible verse along your journey? <laughs> I, you know, I, it's funny because when I when you asked that question, I said to myself, "Well, I, not at that time, but there's a." A favorite Bible Bible verse that I've had all my life. Yes, that I think gave me that strength at that time, and that was um, Joshua. Was it twenty four fifteen? Yes. And it's not all this stuff about it. It's the as for me and my house, I will serve the, my God or whatever it is, the Lord. Um, it's that part. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about the blessings and the rewards. I just feel this. Uh, great desire to serve the Lord. Um, and by doing that in anybody's life, you know, serving others, serving the Lord, it gets us out of ourselves and we can then uh, get past our sort of temporary, uh, temporal problems, which are, you know, big, they're not necessarily easy to shrug off. However, they are temporary and it is, Mm. there is an eternal perspective to keep our eyes on and to know, you know, that, okay, one of these days, like my mom, when I was baptized, my mom was sort of in tears because the mission president talked about, you know, one of these days, I'm not going to be in this wheelchair. I'm, mm. you know, riding those horses up there and playing with those dogs. And in my opinion, I'd like to be playing with bears and lions too, but <laughs> But we have that eternal, you know, this is just a blink in what we are experiencing eternally. Right. And so every time we can keep that, and I also felt more productive, you know, the sense of productivity instead of, oh, woe is me, you know, why did this happen to me? Um, and also the Lord has a really big shoulders. So when I was in that midst of why does this have to happen? I never was, why did this happen to me? Because I don't want it to happen to anybody else. Right. But I was, why does it have to happen? And um, then I could, I kind of pictured my friend in a, this counseling group I was in, said something about beating her fists on the chest of the Lord or whatever. And uh-huh. I, I pictured myself doing that, like sobbing with Jesus and saying, why? Well, then you go on to say, well, gosh, he had something way worse than I did. <laughs> That's true, right? So he knows, you know, he knows. He keeps those tears in his bottle and he knows everyone and why everyone is shed for our 
you know, I look at things I now shed tears for, and I think, gosh, this is just so silly. You know, it's not that big of a deal, but it breaks my heart right now for whatever reason. And he knows that. Mm -hmm. He knows that. And he loves me for that. And again, back to the Joshua verse, I'm so grateful that my father was similar to Joshua, you know, as far as how he raised me, how he, he experienced, um, what do you call it, um, pancreatic cancer one of those cancers that is very terminal mm-hmm. and he just watching him go through that. I mean, he would literally dance to music and say, I get to go home pretty soon. Oh, it was pretty amazing. And I, and my mom, I, my, my um, biological mom passed away when I was about two and a half. And of course I don't remember that, but my grandpa always told me the story that when he was in the um, hospital room with her, she said, tell Bert, which was my dad, that Jesus has come for me. Um, so I lived with those um, beliefs and that faith and have never wavered. I mean, yeah, I might've been like what other people talk about and their, you know, the other prophets and say, you know, I had to get down on my knees and I had to repent because there were times in my life that I didn't actually uh, act godly. And mm-hmm. I definitely say there were times in my life that I haven't done that. But my faith never wavered. Well, and it's amazing that you that that was your verse that no matter what, I'll serve God. And right. and and it sounds like he tested that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's amazing that you've been able to keep the faith through all this, and and he has helped you through it. And that's the beautiful thing about relying on God. Right. So let me ask you, what books or um, other websites would you recommend to somebody who either has transverse myelitis or maybe some other challenge that they're facing right now? Um, well, with the transverse myelitis, there are two websites that I follow. One of them was uh, beattm.com. It's a great website for um, just resources, experiences other people have. Um, also, wearesrna.org is another TM website. They've changed the name, but it shows all the um, research that's being done in regard oh. to neuro conditions. And then there, one of the things that I think is really important to let people know is that when you're in a wheelchair, clothes don't fit you the way they do when you're standing up. Oh. So I found some websites through some of these other ones that actually make adaptive clothing. Really? Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, for one thing, when you're sitting, you're, you really want a shorter top because they don't, you know, if they get caught under you or they, I don't know. You also, when you're sitting, you end up with a little bit bigger tummy than you would want because of the sitting and not having the muscle strength. Muscle strength. So I get kind of boxy fitting shirts when I can. Um, and they make them that way. And then they have pants that, when you're sitting, your pants end up getting short because you're bent at the waist, you're bent at the knees. Um, so they make them a little longer. Oh, that's cool. Right. Well, this one, they have, it's actually a German one, but it's, um, I got some jeans from them and I love them. And so these pants that they made, they actually are shorter in the front and then they bring them up higher in the back. So you're not showing things off in the back. When you're <laughs> 
Oh, that's really cool. So what, what is the name of those specific adaptive clothes? Where can people find those? Well, one of the places I was really surprised is Tommy Hilfiger. They oh. have adaptive clothing and it's not just for that. It's for somebody that can't do things. They have like magnets on the shirt. So you look like an older person that can't do buttons oh. or me that can't do buttons. Um, just they go on in the back instead of the front, things like that. So they're, they've got a good line. Zappos has an online store and they carry different brands. Um, I found this out actually because my sister works at or did work at Children's Hospital and a young man named Billy came in and he designed Billy footwear. And what it is is a shoe has a zipper. So you can unzip the shoe and then you can put your foot in it and zip it up. Oh, I may need to get those for my son with autism. That would be awesome. They have little, I think they have a little, I don't have any because guy just puts my shoes on, but, um, but they're cute too. And they even carry them at Nordstrom's, but you can look on um, Billy Footwear. I think it's billyfootwear.com. The other one was, was the one in Germany. They have some nice jeans that's called rollymoden.com. Okay, rollymoden.com. We'll yeah. be sure to put links to all this in the show yeah. notes just so people can find it and see it. Right. And you also mentioned there was a book by uh, Dr. James Dobson, When yeah. God Doesn't Make Sense, Holding On to Your Faith During the Hardest Times. What my memory of the message I got was that regardless of we're in good times or bad times, he loves us. Mm. Like, like that footprints in the sand. You know, if he's not walking next to you, He's carrying you. Mm. And it's hard to feel that sometimes. And that's where those kind of books are, or you know, anything like that is helpful is to remind us, like you said about the promptings and stuff, to remind us to go back to that sense of faith and and support that we know that God's there for us, even if we don't see it or feel it. Um, so that's my memory of how that one impacted me. He's a really good writer too. Yes, he is. Yes, He's, he is. And The Road Less Traveled by Dr. M. Scott Peck. I, my memory was that he was sort of saying, we, especially probably in the United States, were raised to think that everything should just be a smooth little ride through life. And then when we hit a bump in the road, it's like, oh my gosh, what the heck do I do now? Mm. And he pointed out, no, it's kind of what we've been learning and growing up is that is that we're here to learn lessons and we're learn, mm. here to learn about adversity and how to deal with trials and easy read kind of thing. You know, just I, I did a lot of it when I couldn't sleep at night or something that I would just read these easy to read, but also positive messages. Yeah. He's got another one called Further Along the Road Less Travel that I read also. And he admits in that one that he was like, more focused on his beliefs in God in that one than he was in the first one hmm. which is kind of neat but because he was further along the road less traveled yeah. <laughs> funny how your perspective changes the farther you get through life <laughs> oh my goodness now there's going to be people who will want to connect with you or read more of your short stories because they've heard your amazing story here today where can people find you online well, I started a blog about three years ago, and it's on my website. Anyways, it's in keeprollingon.co, all one word, keeprollingon.co. Um, and then uh, it's got direct links to the books and stuff that I have 
in there. And life is not easy, uh, regardless of what our, our challenges are. And it's nice to have someone else that has a, you know, that's like-minded that, or has similar experiences or, or can help you. In my situation, when you don't end up in the hospital from it, you don't know what your resources are. And um, that's where I, at one point, was in the hospital and I ended up in rehab. So I learned a whole bunch of things about where to look for and how to deal with things at home on my own. And instead of having your dishes way up high where you can't reach them in the cupboards where you're normally used to, put them down here in this little drawer down here where you can reach them. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know. They put elastic shoelaces on me so that I could just stretch my shoes on and off instead of trying to tie them. And I have these things, wonderful things. They're called leg loops, or I call them leg loops. They go around your each of your thighs. And then when you're lying down, for me, it's when I'm lying down, I want to move my legs, bend them. Oh, you can help. Your hand helps move them. Pull yes. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That, to me, they were like, you know, I spent however many thousands of dollars in the hospital. I was like, those leg loops were worth it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you learn, you learn tips and resources along the way. And I think that's one of the, the cool things that, that is such a critical tip anytime you have any kind of diagnosis is talk to other people, talk to the specialist, talk to those occupational therapists or the physical therapists or the horse, you know, the equine therapy. Um uh, find people that know more about those and they will give you so many tips and tricks and, oh, go buy this or there's right. adaptive clothing you can right. get. And, and it's just so helpful if you're willing to just open up and let yourself learn about a right. new diagnosis, right? Yes. That is one of the other things is we don't have to go through this journey alone. Yeah. There's other people to help us, right? That. Absolutely. Not only those angels that you talked about before, but also right. look for the specialists that can right. teach you more and give you those tips and tricks right. that will make whatever diagnosis you have easier to manage, easier to handle. And I, I would just throw it out there real quick too, is that like when I was first diagnosed, I was going to a sports therapist. They mm. know nothing. Uh, I mean, these ones knew nothing about uh, spinal cord injuries, you know, and I, but they were close to home and they could help me with some ex- physical therapy. Find somebody, if you're in a neurological situation, spinal cord injury of any kind, find a therapist that deals with those injuries. Mm. They are amazing. There's a lot out there. Don't, there. I guess your message then is don't give up hope. Hmm, I wonder what podcast we're in (laughs) I know right (laughs) well Sue this has been such a joy to talk to you you are just positive and uplifting and I'm just so thankful that you've been willing to share such a powerful story and and you've really taken us through yeah there were times you were bitter but you've come around and God has helped you find the positives and learn to roll with the punches a little bit more. And, and you have found joy in your journey. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. 
If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.